want you to quickly turn to the book of Galatians tonight. That's where we're going to start out tonight. The book of Galatians. And I pray that uh, that what the Lord has given us to talk about tonight is exactly what you need tonight. Amen. You know, we've been talking about over the last few weeks, we were in, we had been ending our series on the encounter and we're not continuing it tonight, but we're going to be pick piggyback off of the kind of generally around the topic that we had been talking about over in in uh, over the last couple of weeks. So we just want you to just be attuned to what what we're going to be sharing with you tonight. And and we know that God is going to do what he said. Uh, the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. Um, it's really a, an interesting chapter. And as I said earlier, we had been talking about the encounter series and the last few weeks we've been dealing with the evidence is in your lifestyle. We've been talking about how important our lifestyle is to us as believers because other people, when they see us living and they see us out in the earth, they judge our lifestyle or they judge us based off of our lifestyle and which makes it important for us to be careful how we live as if we name the name of Christ. If we name the name of Christ, the word of the Lord says in the book of Genesis that we were created in the image of God. And the image of God, the image really the reflection of God and of the character of God. So if you, the believer, was created in the image of God, then what we reflect or whichever image we represent or show the world, whichever characteristic we show the world, they attribute that to being a characteristic of God. Where well, how is that? Well, you are the name of Christ, right? And if the Spirit of God lives in you, when you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is born, amen, and the Spirit of God enters in. The Spirit of life have come alive in you, amen. So that Spirit, it brings certain fruit along with it when the Spirit comes alive in you. And those fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, are characteristics of God, amen, so that when people see you, if you're walking in love, then they say, oh, that's God. If you're walking in uh, peace, they'll say, that now that's God. So they've been to, they begin to attribute those characteristics to God. So I want to encourage you that if you are a believer, that you continue to um, Get in the word and allow the Holy Spirit to, to minister you and teach you and instruct you concerning the things of the scripture. How important is it to let our lifestyle choice reveal that we are true followers of Christ? How important is that? It's very important, amen? It's very important to let our lifestyle choice reveal that we are true followers of Christ. Yet, in our living, we are presented by our enemy, right? With temptations, right? In our living, in our pursuit of all that God has for us. Here's the enemy right there, throwing stuff out. And it ain't just any stuff. It's always stuff that, that is attractive to you. Amen. It's stuff that causes you a challenge in your walk. It's stuff that comes, causes you to get distracted and challenged in your relationship with God. But he's strategic in what he sends. He doesn't hit and miss. 
He knows you. He, he don't know you like God knows you, but he knows you based upon your past habits. And when, you, when he recognizes your past habits, he, he becomes familiarized with your past habits. He understands the things that, that causes you to easily stumble, amen? So when those things come upon you, or when they come back and recircle around you, know that it is the enemy who seeks to draw you back into those things. The scripture says in the book of Matthew that we have to be careful when we once delivered because that spirit goes around and he comes back, the Bible says, and he brings seven more demons with him <laughs> and he makes it worse. The scripture say your former state, your current state is worse than your former state. So we have to really work at this thing that when we say that we're coming to Christ, we got to ask God to help us to live this life. Not only that, but to help us to stand and fight through those temptations and allow the sin nature to die and allow the spirit of God to, to live in us. Amen. We have to allow. Well, when we come to Christ, the word says the sin nature dies. It's dead. We're no longer under control of that thing. So because we have been made new in Christ Jesus. That's what's the thing. But the enemy, our enemy, say our enemy, amen. He comes. He comes to distract us. And that pulls us in the opposite direction of what we desire in our spirit man. You get that? Yet in our living, we are presented by our enemy with temptations that pull us in the opposite direction of what we desire in our spirit man. Hence, we're here in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. I have the, I guess I can read, let me read it in the King James Version. I've been enjoying this new translation. Matter of fact, I'm gonna let my wife read uh, Galatians beginning at the 16th chapter uh, through the 26th chapter, amen? Amen. It's ready for me. 16. 16. Galatians 5 and 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. Yes. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Read. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Mm-hmm. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. Mm. 21. Keep going. Envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings. Mm -hmm. And such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If ye, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. 
Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. Desirous. Desirous. <laughs> you know how some words are spelled different like, than the what? King James Version? <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> how that is. Amen. Here, here's the scripture. I want to title tonight's lesson, The Fight to Live a Godly Life. The Fight to Live a Godly Life. Amen. The fight to live. And we're going to, like I said, we're starting in the book of Galatians. And what I love about this part is strictly tells us in the very first verse of the 16th, I mean, a very, excuse me, in the fifth chapter of the 16th verse. So I say, and I'm going to read from the New Living Test uh, translation. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. When you come in Christ, you have the, the Holy Spirit right there with you helping you, guiding you, leading you in your life. Now, there's another phase into this Holy Spirit, amen? He is the comforter, amen? But there's an empowerment according to Acts 2 and the uh, chapter, Acts, excuse me, according to chapter 2 of the book of Acts, at the first verse, it talks about the Holy Spirit when he came in the room, in the upper room. Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8 that you shall receive power, after that, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, meaning after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be empowered to be a witness. That's what the scripture said. So when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, because that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in the book of Acts. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers you. You receive the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit to live this life and to be a witness to the world. It's different than when you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior because that is a new birth. John, the uh, third chapter, beginning the first through the, about the 12th verse, it talks about Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was talking about, well, how can a man enter his mother's womb? Uh, once again, Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus went further down and said, except a man be born of water, right? And then his spirit man is born as well. When you come to Christ, your spirit man is birthed. It is as if, as if it is a natural birth. When you come out of your mother's womb, naturally, your spirit man is birthed when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, how do you say my spirit man becomes a babe? Well, Paul talks about many times. He said in the book of Hebrews um, that he has some things that he wants to talk to the Gentiles about, but they were still babes in God. So he had to feed them the sincere milk of the word when he really wanted to feed them the meat of the word. So that tells me there's a level in our relationship with God where we start out as babies and as we mature, we can handle some more deeper things of God. Mm -hmm. So infants can only handle a certain type of food, right? The problem with a lot of people in the body of Christ, they've been in the body of Christ for a long time, yet they're still drinking infant formula. Mm -hmm. So they're stagnant in their growth or they're still dealing with the little little bitty old things where they should have grew up and moved forward from what we have to know is that when we come to Christ we immediately birth we or should we say we immediately walk into the middle of a war and that war of that battle is 
the battle of the flesh fighting against the battle of the spirit man. The flesh wants you to yield to the fleshly desires that you were delivered from, right? But the spirit wants you to stand and fight against the desires of the flesh with the desires and fulfilling the desire of the spirit. We read in Galatians, the five chapter, what the, the fruit of the, well, <laughs> those characteristics of the flesh, right? And what they lead us into. And then later on, we read about those characteristics of the spirit. Paul didn't leave no un misunderstanding, no room. He, he told you about this fight. And then he tell this is how you're going to know that you're in a fight. He been getting, if you're a type of person that is jealous, then you're, you're walking according to the flesh. He didn't leave no room for misinterpretation. Am I right about it? Let's read that again. Verse 20, excuse me, verse 17 from the New Living Testament uh, translation. The sinful nature wants <laughs> to do evil, right? Mm -hmm. Think about it. The sinful nature, the desire to go against the word of God always wants to do evil because the flesh never wants to obey God. Never. It wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I, when I was reading this today at lunchtime, I pictured a wrestling match. Uh -oh. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe because the guys at work been talking about going to a wrestling match. And I just, I pictured these two guys walling all over the, the, the canvas, right? And every few seconds, one guy get domination over the other, right? He'll hit one move and the other guy stagger around and then he capitalize on that. Then all of a sudden the other guy gets some strength from somewhere and then he rise up and he begin pounding on this other guy, right? I guess the, the, the winner is the one who withstands at the end, I guess, right? I, I hope they're not fixed. I don't know. Um, but it, it reminded me of this tussle that we have because it, it is amazing to me. When you decide, this, this is what's funny about it. You wake up with good intentions, right? And you say, Lord, today I'm going to dedicate this day as a day of fasting. This, this, is, the, this is really real here. This is a day of fasting. And as sure as you set this day as a day that you're going to spend fasting and praying and, and being in tune with God, here come the enemy. First of all, they bring, the attack begins when you get to work. That's when they bring the donuts to work. They bring the pigs in a blanket and bacon uh, burritos and bacon and potatoes burritos and you de you decided to fast that day and you like you're already weak right because you didn't eat nothing since six o'clock the prior day and you woke up this morning you had to rebuke the enemy because the flesh wants to eat so you're already at the disadvantage right but you're relying on the strength of God so soon as that takes place, you got that. You're like, nah, you know, I can't do that. So you working. Then that's the day they decide to treat everybody to pizza. Right? Or you get people that come around your desk that want to talk crazy stuff, right? Oh, yeah. That's the way the enemy is. And it's not just crazy stuff. It's stuff that, you, it, see, what, what is so subtle about the enemy, it could be something as simple as something that we're interested in. It's not necessarily sin, but it's a distraction from what your whole purpose is. That's the battle that we fight. 
we're constantly contending with distractions that come to distract us from the purpose of God, right? For that day, each day, never live tomorrow during today, never live yesterday and today. Live today for today, moment by moment, moment by moment. So Paul said they're always in opposite in directions, amen? Verse 18, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under the obligation of the laws of Moses. Now, he specifically talks about the laws of Moses, which is important in this aspect. He talked about the laws of Moses because the Galatians were one of the uh, rich. They were rich in Jewish customs. So they always when when they were. When they were living as Jews, they followed the letter of the law. That's what the scripture says. But when Paul went to the, the area of Galatia and began to minister and set up the church of the Galatians, he ministered to them Christ. They received Christ. Some were baptized and they began to live a life of faith. Amen. Like we're doing today. But there was one point that took place in the Galatian church that brought them back to doing some of the Jewish laws and Paul found out about it. And Paul went back to them and he kind of chastised them at the beginning of the third chapter, the first verse. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, who has betwixt you, who twisted your mind that you should go back and believe what you've been delivered from? That's basically what he said. And so he began to share with them how important it was to know this word and not allow anybody to come and teach you contradictory to this because we're no longer bound by those laws. But look at verse 19. That's a whole nother message at another time. Look at verse 19. Excuse me. What scripture was that? Galatians, the three, three chapter, first, oh. first verse starts out. Okay. Oh, ye foolish Galatians. Am I right? Yes, it does. Who, who had betwitched you, who had bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He just laid it out before him. And if you read through that, you'll see what was what was necessary for him to share with the Galatian church. But let's read on because this is not even the meat of what we're going to talk about tonight. Look at verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So here's you know, here is when you know that you're in this battle. If these desires are a part of you, the sin nature is dominating at you at that moment. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, lust for pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, sorcery. You know, sorcery can be a, 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 a it's witchcraft, right? It's like manipulation. The Bible talks about manipulation is like witchcraft. When people try to manipulate you to do certain things, they're trying to twist your mind to get you to bend and do whatever they want to. That's manipulation. That's a, a source of or a form of witchcraft, a sorcery. Idolatry, we, we know what that is, right? Hostility, people who are always hostile, quarreling. People who always want to argue, jealousy. People who are always jealous, always want what you want. People who outbursts of anger. If you possess these things, then the flesh is trying to rise up in your life. Amen. Selfish ambition, seeking your own self, the self ministry, as my wife would call it. <laughs> Dissensions and divisions. 
Envy. If you envying what people have and you want it for yourself, that's a part of the flesh. Drunkenness. You drunk alcoholics. That's a part of the flesh. So then you're not about. So if you're a believer who gets drunk, then you see that that is not of God because Galatians say that is of the sinful nature of the flesh. And we who have been born in Christ are not under control of the flesh. So then that's where I begin to say, okay, God, since this is of the flesh, I need you to deliver me from this area of my life. We have no choice if we want to live free in Christ Jesus, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom kingdom of God. There's no misunderstanding there. But look what verse 22 said. I'm going to read through these. But the Holy Spirit, this is how you're going to know that you're walking in the Spirit. He produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against any of these. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. Did you hear that? Not to the cross, to who cross? His cross and crucified them there. That means our sinful nature has been nailed to Christ's cross and have been crucified there on the cross. That means they're dead. They have no life. They have no power. Jesus stripped the power of sin. He stripped them. It is it's powerless. Well, what get, well, why do I desire it then? Well, the moment we give into it, we give it power again. Mm-hmm. The moment we say, okay, I'll do it, it comes back alive. Wow. But if you always resist it, then it has no power. Temptation is not sin. But when we yield to temptation, then that becomes sin. That's what James says in the book of James. Read that in the book of James, about the second, second or third chapter of the book of James will tell you that when we yield to temptation, that is when it becomes sin to us. <laughs> so you don't have to repent for temptation. Just ignore it and walk away from it and say no to it. That's not sin. Now, if you lusting after somebody in the heart, that's different. That's not temptation. That's lusting. Lust in itself is sin, right? Amen. So then we find ourselves, if I am constantly battling this thing, and I am supposed to be a believer who's walking in God, what is going on that sometimes I in, my inclination is to do wrong, and sometimes my inclination is to do right? What is going on? Let's turn to Romans 7. Romans, the 7th chapter, beginning at the 7th verse. And what I'm going to do, because I'm going to read it straight out of the, the New Living Translation. Why? It, it's this part of the book of Romans, or this chapter, the words can get tongue twisted just because of the nature of what Paul is talking about. But I read this in the New Living Translation, and it kind of makes it a little bit easier to read, and then we'll talk about it in the King James Version as well. So let's let's look at what it's saying here. Maybe I'll let my wife read that in the King James Version, just for those of you who have that version, and then I'll come back 
and talk through the New Living Translation. Trina. What shall we say then? Mm-hmm. Is the law sin? Mm-hmm. God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiousness. Read on. For without the law, sin was dead. Mm -hmm. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Mm -hmm. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. Mm -hmm. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and and by it slew me. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, Working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Mm. Wow. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Mm. For Read. that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that that do I not. But what I hate, that do I that do I isn't that amazing read on it's getting twisted if then I do that which I would do I consent unto the law that it is good now then it is no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good I find not Mm -hmm. For the good that I would, that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. You see the struggle Paul is talking about? Now, the struggle is not, I'm trying to live safe. That's not the struggle. The struggle is the flesh fighting against the spirit. So I'm challenged in my walk with God Mm -hmm. because I have these two natures that are still living in my body. Now, I'm strengthened in the spirit. When I mind the things of the spirit, when I read the word, when I'm praying, when I'm meditating on the word, not not just I ain't talking about books. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm not talking about writings of other authors that write about the word. I'm talking about the word of God, the Bible. I'm not talking about commentaries. I'm not talking about Greek lexicons or Hebrew dictionaries. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about when we read the word of God. Our spirit man is strengthened and it gains it gains strength over the will of the flesh. So then when I choose or when I walk in the spirit, Romans 8 talks about I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh when I'm walking in the spirit, when I'm led in the spirit. But Paul said when I desire to do good, I end up doing wrong. When I choose to do wrong, that tells me that the sin nature in me is stronger than the spirit nature that I'm supposed to be following. 
So that's an alarm for me. That is an awakening for me. That is an alarm, an awakening that will tell me <clears throat> I need to get to praying. I need to, I need to um, get to fasting. I need to get back into the face of God. So when I see that I'm constantly choosing to do the sinful things, uh -huh. then that tells me my spirit man is weakening. Because Romans 8 talks about if I am dead to sin, then I am alive in the spirit. We have to understand that this war is an intense war. It is a war that we will fight all the way until Jesus calls us home or the rapture takes place. We have to understand that we have to be cognizant of this war that goes on within ourselves. You might say that I don't want to hear about sin. Some may have even clicked off the broadcast or uh, contemplating kicking off the broadcast, but I'm not pointing out your sin. I want you to understand that if you don't understand that there's a war going on inside of you, you won't know what to do when you're faced with the things that the enemy is going to bring to you. You think it's just, oh, well, his life. But no, it's not just, oh, well, his life is, oh, well, your enemy is launching attack against you to get you to yield to the will of the flesh and not yield to the will of the spirit. But I want you to know the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus up from the grave is the same power that will quicken your mortal bodies, that will make you alive. It is that same power, the resurrection power that God said, rise Jesus and Jesus' dead body that was bruised and beat and battered and ripped apart, rose up in that grave and walked out among men for 40 days. So if God can raise Jesus up, he said the same resurrection power when we come into Christ, right, it is that same power that made us new in Christ Jesus. We have the power to walk this life in the same power Jesus did. Well, how is that? Because I'm not Jesus. No, you're not Jesus. But when you make up a conscious decision to, to be led by the Spirit, when you're praying as a lifestyle, when you're reading the word and you're applying the word, the scripture said that if I am led by the spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That tells me the opposite, that if I am not led by the spirit, I will fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what are you saying, brother preacher? I'm saying that the choice is yours. If you wake up every morning and make the decision, today I will be led by the Spirit. So then I call the Spirit and say, today, Holy Spirit, I want you to be my guide. I want you to lead me in whatever decisions I'm making. And every step from that moment of amen, you're listening, you're walking, and you're following, and you're making choices based upon the Word of God. Well, how do I know what choices the Word of God wants me to make? Well, that's where how important it is to get into the word of God. That if you don't know the word, you won't know how to make godly choices. But if you make godly choices, 
then you're being led by the spirit, which makes you less apt to give in to the sinful nature in your body. The spirit is so sharp that when somebody is coming your way to bring something contrary to what the Bible says or where, where you are, the spirit will warn you. That's how sharp he is. He'll begin to keen you in. He'll tell you, don't get a part of that conversation. Don't comment to that question they just asked you. Don't get into that conversation. Why don't you go down all the hallway today? I want you to go to lunch. Matter of fact, go to lunch a little earlier today. Matter of fact, why don't you go downstairs and read your Bible today? He tells us. He guides us. He do it. But sometimes the lull of that is that here's our friend, our temptation, right? Hey, want you, I'll treat you to lunch today. Why don't you come with us, right? And before we know it, we're sitting at the table with him. It's easy. Is that a sin? No, it's not a sin. Because then you have the opportunity to be a light. So here's the other temptation. Am I a participant of the conversation or am I one who would say, you know, y'all, y'all shouldn't be talking about that. So where see the pool of it? I put myself in a, in a challenging situation, right? So then I have to make a decision that I can make this conversation a positive one for myself or I can sit there and take in the filth that may be taking place in my ears. That's the challenge that we have as believers. Let me read what my wife read in Romans 7 in the New Living Translations, beginning at the seventh verse. If you read, and for your own reading time, you can read the first through the seventh verse of this chapter, amen? And it's going to tell you, because we're picking up in the middle of the chapter, it'll give you a little bit more clarity on where Paul is talking about right here. But look at the seventh verse again in your Bible, and for me, I'll read out to you what I'm reading. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. We know God's law is not sinful, amen? Amen. In fact, it was the law that showed me, this is what I love about, you know, the people who say, you know, the law, the law, the law, but look at it, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. Did you understand that? This scripture is basically telling me the purpose of the law that God wrote in the Old Testament was to show people their sin. It wasn't to bring salvation it was just to reveal sin to people. <clears throat> now, as a result of that revelation in the law, God instituted search, certain sacrifices that would pacify his, his wrath upon sinful mankind. You follow me? So when people perform these sacrifices, you know, you know, burn the, 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 the calf and, and sacrifice the cows and the birds and all those things that people had to sacrifice as offerings to God. Those were kind of like a pacify for God's wrath that he would not pour. He, he allowed that be a substitute or a type of salvation to the people until a more permanent sacrifice came along that would pay the payment of sin forever and we already know who that person is amen Jesus Christ for those who may not know Jesus paid a one time sacrifice amen 
Amen. Amen. Let's read on verse eight. But sin used the command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. Verse nine. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came alive and I died. It's like telling the kid, don't t now don't go in there. That, no, here it is. That, that paint is wet on that wall. I just finished painting that wall. Don't, don't touch that wall, right? So now I've given them in their minds. Don't touch that wall. The paint is still wet. Now what is going to happen? They're going to go over there. I, even an adult would do it. They will go over there and touch that wall. I'm going to see if the paint is dry yet. Well, I just told you the paint was wet. So the sin nature, right? Because I have knowledge that if I touch that, this paint is going to get on my hand. I just want to prove that it's wrong, right? So what I do, I go touch the wall and what's on my hand? Paint, right? Or if I say, now don't you go over that. Don't keep playing with the matches or you're going to get burned, right? Or case in point, my son a few minutes ago before church service, that man, he was in a room spinning around, right? So we already know that when we spin around, what happens? We get dizzy. So he just a spinning and a spinning and a spinning and a spinning. Aiden stopped spinning. He just a spinning and a spinning. Then all of a sudden, he spin right into the, the edge of the door, right? And banged his head. And then he immediately grabbed his head. And he getting ready to cry. He just rubbed it real fast. I said, see, didn't I tell you to stop spinning? And you're going to hit that wall? Bang. Right? It's the temptation to do it. That's there. It's evident. Right? If he didn't know that spinning would make him dizzy, he'll forever be spinning. But if I'm telling him, if you spin, you're going to get dizzy. And if you get dizzy, you're going to hit your head. If you sin, right, you're going to displease God. And if you displease God, that's going to equal death. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You said it right. It's life. That's the difference. You see the difference? This is the battle that you have, my brother and my sister. This is the battle that is constantly at war inside of you. That's why it is necessary. Listen, I don't tell you this and your pastor don't tell you this or whoever, whatever, your pastor, whoever it is. Don't just be telling you to get in the word just to be having you something to read. You read stuff at work. You help your kids read stuff. You help people write papers. You read manuals. You read instructions. You read guides. You're learning how to be profitable in your business. You read the regulations and all those other things so that you can comprehend how to be effective in everything that you're trying to do but when it comes to people reading the word folk don't want to take no time to read the word of God they want somebody to give it to them but what if it's wrong when they give it to you then you'll never know what the truth of the word of God says that's why you got to get in the word of God for yourself that's why the Bible says in the last days they're going to be itching ears, people who just going to run after every wind of doctrine. It's going to be people who are going to easily stumble. It's going to be people who turn from the truth of the word of God. And instead of believing the truth of the word of God, they're going to believe the lie. And that is where the people are going to begin to choose the form of godliness and denying the power thereof because they have never experienced the power of God because they chose to live a life 
full of lies, thinking that the Bible means this and it meant that. And because they chose to believe the lie, they live in a life that is totally opposite of what God requires of them. A life of according to the laws and its regulations. You have to choose to be led by the spirit of God. That if you choose to be led by the spirit of God, you will be guided. You would be pleasing unto the father. And when you please the father, amen, when you please the father, the father blesses you. The father will give you what he says you'll have at the end of your life, eternal life. The challenge is, will I walk this race or will I run this race with patience? Will I press toward the mark of God? Would I push through the difficult days of temptations or will I yield to the temptations and step on the side of the road and partake in a cup of Gatorade or a cup of water and drink too much while I'm running the race? Well, you who run track would understand what I'm talking about, that if you stop in the middle of your race and you just gobble down a whole bunch of water, you end up getting cramps and then you won't be able to finish the race. Not alone, not let alone while you stop and drinking, everybody else doesn't pass you up, right? So you have to understand that while you're in a race, you can't be taking too long, too many stops. You cannot be delaying yourself. You cannot be weighted down with other stuff. In fact, when you look at a good runner, they wear the least amount of clothes they can and the lightest type of clothes that they can wear so that the weight of the clothes won't slow them down. They wear the lightest style of, of, of running shoes that don't weigh as much as some normal running shoes weigh, amen. So you prepare, you equip yourself. That's the way you have to be when you're in this fight with your flesh. You have to equip yourself with tools. You have to equip yourself with, with, with the things that are necessary for you to be victorious in this life. So prayer is necessary for you to be victorious, amen. Prayer is necessary. There's sometimes you got to fast. You got to turn the plate over. There's sometimes where you got to read the word. There's sometimes where you got to confess the word. There's sometimes where you got to think about the word. There's sometimes where you got to meditate on the word. You got to talk the word back to yourself. Amen. It is those moments where you gain in your strength. Amen. In fact, you're increasing your faith the more you read it. Because Romans 8, and, uh, eight, I mean, excuse me, Romans 10, 9 and 10, 11 up in there talks about how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10th chapter. Around the 9th through the 11th verse talks about that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you believe what the word says, you'll be, you have empowered yourself to fight this fight against the sin nature. So you will find in your growth in God that the battle is really not against you and Satan. That the battle is really about your spirit man fighting against the sinful nature that is within your own self. That's what Paul was talking about as he began to write this book, this chapter here in verse 8, 13. He said, but how can that be that the law, which is good, caused me to die? Of course not. Sin used... <coughs> what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So 
we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Because once I become knowledgeable of a weakness in my life, I have to be conscious that I don't yield to that area or else I will sin. Verse 14, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. Everybody say with me. For I am all too human. This is Paul. And I slave, excuse me, I am all too human a slave to sin. Verse 15, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Isn't that kind of the way that battle is? But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Because the law is that that tells me I'm doing wrong. It's supposed to. <clears throat> so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Do you see that? See, you're not the one that's doing wrong. It is the sin nature that wants to pull you in to what it wants to do. And then you're allowing it to control you because a sin nature can't do anything without a participant. It's just the sin nature. It's going to always be the sin nature. It has no power but to be the sin nature. But as soon as you agree with the sin nature, then you begin to do what the sin nature tells you to do. So then as a result, you're a participant of the sin nature. Verse 18, and I know that nothing gives me, excuse me, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. <laughs> but if so, I do what I don't want to do. I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21 says, so I have discovered this principle of life. And I like the way the King James says it. I find then a law. This is the King James version. When I would do good, evil is present with me. That when I want to do what is right. I inevitably, inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. Did you get that? There is another power within you that is at war with your mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Talking about the sin nature. Oh, and then Paul says, oh, what a miserable person I am. King James says, oh, what wretched man that I am, right? Who shall deliver me from this body of death? That's what Paul said. Oh, wretched man. I got this sinful nature making me feel dirty and nasty and make me feel guilty all the time. So I have to consciously 
keep under my body. I got to constantly beat it into subjection. I got to tell my body, no, you will not give in to that temptation today. You will be led by the spirit of God. So here's one thing to help you when you find that the sin nature seems to, to be stronger than your spirit nature. I guarantee you that if you spend some time fasting and praying, see the intent of fasting and praying is when you fasting, it's like you're rendering the sin nature of the sinful flesh weak. And while you're weakening the flesh, because the flesh thrives off of food, right? So when you're eating it, right, you're feeding your flesh is getting stronger. You're seeing wrongful things that's going on in, in the earth, right? So you, you, you're feeding the flesh all of what it wants and all the desires. But when you're fasting, you're denying the flesh what it wants and you're feeding the spirit man what it needs. You're reading the word, you're praying, you're meditating on God. Then the, the spirit man in you is getting stronger and the flesh man, sinful nature is getting weaker. When you fast, you're strengthening the spirit and you're weakening the flesh. The more you fast, the more your flesh get weaks. Then you're going to find yourself empowered to resist the sinful nature that is in your body. That's the fight that we have, my brothers and my sisters. We got to set some time aside again. The old saints used to say, you know, they used to fast two days a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. That was a designated day of fasting within the church. Tuesdays and Fridays, at least the church that we grew up in. Tuesdays and Fridays was designated. And then when they really wanted the Lord to move, they would call a week fast. And if they called a week fast, boy, you did not want to miss church on Sunday. Because every time at the end of a time of consecration and fasting, it's like the spirit of God sweep into the church and tear up the church. People get saved. People get delivered. People get set free. Why? Because people have denied their flesh what it wants and allowed the spirit of God to have free course in their life. So when they come together as one body, the spirit can't do nothing but move and deliver and set free. You want to be a winner against this in this fight? You want to be able to stand against the will of the flesh? You want to begin to yield and be empowered by the spirit? Be knowledgeable of your battles. Be knowledgeable of those things that cause you to get weak in your walk. Be aware of those things. Be accustomed to it. Understand the method that it uses. It comes in cycles. You ought to see it before it comes. You got to be aware. You can't just allow the enemy to just walk upon you and you don't see him coming. Come on, you got to open your eyes because it's familiar to you. It might happen when you all when you always get lonely. Here comes Jimmy. Or when you only always get lonely, here these little crazy desires start bubbling up on the inside of you. And when you hear this particular song, it brings back horrible memories. Or when you smell this particular scent, it brings you back to a place where you don't ever want to go again. That is the attack of the enemy. And when you begin to understand that, when it comes, you can address it for what it really is. You can say, Satan, I see you. 
it will not work this time. You tricked me last time, but that's the end of it then. Today I command you in the name of Jesus to go back where you come from. You don't have a right to continue to throw stuff in my face because Jesus took it to the cross and it was nailed and crucified to never rise again. You can stand in authority against those things. But tonight is your night. I challenge you, my brothers and my sisters, that if you have named the name of Christ, that you understand this fight. And with this understanding, that you seek to be empowered by the Spirit of God that comes to set you free and make you free and keep you free. You got to understand. You got to be aware of environments. You got to be aware of people that we may hang with. You got to be aware of What's taking place wherever you are, whenever you're there. You got to be aware of, you got to be um, ready to make a shift in, in your location if necessary. <clears throat> Paul says, gird up the loins of your mind. Come on, put your thinking hat on. Become aware. For we are not ignorant of Satan's devices and tactics and schemes. Well, we as people who don't know, but we are aware and God has given us his spirit to make us aware of when the enemy comes so that we know how to handle it. We have to know that the victory is already ours because Christ won the battle for us. Sin has no more power over us because we are led by the spirit of God. You are those who have been blood, blood bought, paid in full. You have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You have been set. <clears throat> you have been set at odds against the enemy and God has become your defender. You have. So I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters. That in those areas of your weakness, that you give those areas over to God. And that not only in your giving that you stay aware of the trick of the enemy to draw you back into those things. I want to pray for you tonight as we prepare to close. That first of all, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have nothing to fight against the enemy with. You are one who runs after the sinful nature. You're the one that does everything that you want to do and don't have nobody to answer for. You need Jesus. You're tired of it. It's empty stuff. It leads you to guilt and shame. It leads you to fear and anxieties. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen now. Oh, I've been here. Is this it? Will I die from this this time? You don't have to live like that any longer. Today can be your day where you can be free of those things. You can be empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you, to help you when you feel those areas of weaknesses come upon you and deliver you and set you free. All you have to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to invite you to do that. And if you have accepted Jesus in your heart, and have maybe turned away from God through life, through, through choices, because sometimes we choose to walk away from God rightfully. We think we're right, but we ran astray, we ran aground, we went down the wrong path, 
And before you know it, here we are away from God. Tonight, God is calling you back home. This is your night. So if you're one of those two, I want to invite you to pray. And you want to give your life to God or back to God, I want you to pray with me as I pray this prayer. Father God, in Jesus' name, I come to you a sinner, acknowledging that I'm a sinner. And I want you, oh God, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, to wash me with the blood of Jesus, to cleanse me and make me new. Lord, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I accept him as the perfect sacrifice that died on Calvary for my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Teach me how to live this life before God. Help me daily to walk according to the Spirit. Teach me your ways so that I'll know and obey and follow you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Father God. Amen and amen. Father, I pray for your people tonight that you will bless them and that you will keep them, that you will empower them, that as they walk this race, they'll continue to press through those days. Some days are more challenging than others, but on those days, God, each day that you will allow your people to live, God, that they would call upon the Spirit of God in them to strengthen them and help them through the difficult moments ahead. God, we know that you're coming soon, and we don't know what we'll have to encounter before you return. But what I do know, God, is that we will need you. We will need the power of your Holy Spirit living and working in our lives. And we will need to know the word of God, which is our defense against the enemy and our offense against the enemy. So God, increase in us a desire for your word so that we can be strengthened by it and know our position in the kingdom and understand the authority that you have given us as a believer. Tonight, oh God, I pray, oh Lord, that you continue to show us those things that are necessary for us to do that line up with your purpose for our lives. Help us to not be distracted by things that have no relevance to our purpose. Help us to make the difficult decisions. Help us to make the choices that are necessary so that we can move everything out of the way that would hinder, that would hinder our walk and our relationship with you. We love you, Father, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.